Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome again. We're glad to have you with us this week. We're into a really exciting study from Warren Litzman on the gospel of deliverance. It's really been wonderful, and uh, he's digging deep and giving it to us in a way that we can understand. I'd like to get right into it. Here's Warren. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Now, the third chapter of Ephesians is a very important (laughs) chapter to your knowing. Sometimes when you don't know what to do with the Bible and where to read in the Bible, go to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 1, I've long labeled as the most important bit of information that's ever been written. And the third chapter borders that somewhat. We're going to talk about the third chapter tonight, and we're going to listen to some of the things that Paul had to tell us that were important. You see, I think it was Paul's understanding that God never intended that human beings live and react to life like most of us do. I don't think it was ever God's intention. I'll agree with Paul. I think God had a plan. I think He had a better plan. And I think humanity has struggled for the last 2,000 years at least to find the essence of that plan. What is it God really wanted? Did God want to raise up a family that would be His own family and they live no better and no differently than anybody else on earth? What do you think His thoughts might have been? Every one of you that's born again has been birthed by God. God put His seed in you and caused another person to come forth in your life. And He intended that that person would be your life. But we've had a great struggle with that. Because most people don't want to give up the life they had. And religion hasn't helped us because religion is dedicated to correcting our old life. That's all it talks about, correcting the old life. And so they have a lot of law in what they teach and believe. I was there and I know. But we couldn't live the law. We couldn't, we couldn't match up to it. We couldn't do what the law said to do. And God knew that would happen. But he had to have a law to show us what our sin was. But when Jesus died on the cross, God changed the entire course of time. Everything in the world was changed by that cross, even the date on the calendar. Everything was changed. And the reason for that is God had a whole new world to offer to people and a whole new life to give to people. But the struggle of humanity has been to find out what it is. Humanity gets frustrated in its search. So one day it may be going after Far Eastern religions. One day it may be going after Buddhism or Shintoism or Jehovah Witness or just anything you can name. Baptist, Methodist. We're all in search trying to find what it is that makes our life what we think it ought to be. Well, the trouble with that statement is what our life ought to be was never in God's concept. It's what He wanted us to be. And a big part of that concept comes from the fact that if He burst you, then He's your Father. He's a Father. And He considers He has a right to raise you, to teach you, to help you along. When you look at Him as Almighty God, you're lost because the Almighty God that's in the Scriptures is a 
He's a harsh power. But to consider that He birthed you and put another life in you was to bring you to what His intention was for your life. He intended that human beings would live as His children with that understanding that He was a Father, that He was still up in heaven in His house, but since we were previously on this earth in our old life, He's going to leave us here until we learn a lot about being one of His children. And if you really want to know from the simplicity of my thinking why you're still on this earth, it's because you're learning how to live accordingly to this new life that's in you. That's what it's all about. It's not about church buildings. It's not about doctrines. It's not about law. It's all about you learning to live the life that was put in you when you were saved. Because God didn't save you. Christ died for your sins, but God didn't save you. And there's a little verse in Romans 5 and 10 that says we are saved by the life of Christ. You need to think about that. Roll that over in your mind. That God has never been in the business of trying to save you. If He were, He'd have done a much better job than we've had happen to us. Don't you think? I mean, if God had been in charge of your life directly, you probably wouldn't have had so many troubles and trials and heartaches. But it was never God's intention to save you. It was His intention to put another life in you, and you learned to live that life. Well, obviously, that's been a hard thing to do because most in religion have never caught up with that. They've never caught up with that idea. So all religion is still given to trying to correct us. Trying to straighten us out. Trying to make us do good, do better. If you went into a Christian bookstore, you'd find nine out of ten books on how to do things better. Live better, pray better, read your Bible better, go to church better, pay your money better. That's what religion has become. And don't think I'm punning it because I've been a part of it for a long time before I found out what it was all about. But I have to start at that point because God never intended to change you. That's never been His intention. You've got troubles. You've had problems. You've gone through a hell on earth. That never was His intention to change you. His intention was to put another life in you. That's what Peter says in his first chapter, being born again, not from the corruptible seed that came from your parents, but from the incorruptible seed that come from God, you have been born again, rebirthed. You see, that's not religious terms to me. That's not something that uh, uh, evangelical Christians talk about or, or uh, somebody deep in theology talks about. To me, that's reality. If God didn't rebirth us, there's no help for us. There's no help for us. Because we're going to always be starting over, trying again and again in life. So God must have had a plan. There must have been something that has escaped humanity 
That is the most important thing about living and life. Every one of you that's saved, born again, have another person in you. Paul speaks of that forcibly. He says, the life I live is Christ. Paul says, in another place, Christ liveth in me. He says that four or five times in using those same words in different ways. He never took the business of religion or Christianity as something you get a hold of and try to make work. That's why he's so important in God's Word. He had a revelation from the Lord. Christ talked to him after Christ had gone back to heaven after his death and talked to him about, here's something I want you to do. I want you to go tell the people about a new kind of living, another life. And that life is available to all of them. There's no exceptions. Whosoever believeth doesn't have to perish, but has eternal life. That means the moment you accepted Jesus, you had an eternal life in you that can't be bumped, can't be pushed out, can't be separated from you, can't be killed, can't be obstructed by the devil. You had an eternal life put in you. That seed that was put in you was an eternal life. That's been in you ever since you were saved. That's the way God looks at you. He says, look what I did for them. I put another life in them. But they don't live it. They don't understand it. They don't know what to do with it. And we don't. We didn't. I lived years as a preacher and didn't, didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with that new life that was in me. And when anybody even come close to a subject like this, I was irritated, upset me, because that didn't fit my old way of doing things. And that's really the problem all of us have. When we read the Scriptures that are so clearly given to us that we have been born again, that we have a great thing that's happened to us when we accepted Jesus as our Savior. He became our life for eternity. That'll be your life. When you get to heaven, that'll be your life. won't be you. It'll be your life. Now, you still express that life because of who you are. But you see, that's where the problem starts. You'd be surprised how many people who desperately need another life. They're killing themselves. They're absolutely killing themselves, and they need another life. But you know what? When you tell them about there being another life, they have a big problem because their identity is in the old life. That's who they think they are. And while God in spirit has given them a whole new existence that will last for eternity, their mind still goes back to what I was, what happened to me, my problems, my trials, my heartaches, nobody loves me, I've been abused, I'm this, I'm that. And you see, they never got a mind to go with that new life. It's kind of like uh, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. If Edgar Bergen don't give him some mind, he won't go off on his own. He'll just be the dumb stick he was. You see? So it's up to Charlie McCarthy to give him. That may be too old for some of you. You may not go back as far as those two. (laughs) 
But you see, we don't want to give up our identity. This is who I am. I can't help it. This is who I am. My granddaddy was like this. My grandma was like this. My mother was like this. My Aunt Susie's like this. This is who we are. No. Nothing to that. That doesn't count at all with God. You can never come before God and say, God, I just come out of a bad family. I come out of bad upraising. I come out of abuse. I'm, I'm just, I've just been spoiled and ruined. You know why God doesn't do anything about that? Because when you gave your heart to the Lord, He put another person in you, and He looks at that person to be the real you. You've got to change your identity. How do you do that? That's a mind thing. That's a mind thing. You either come to the place that you say, I'm a good person, not a bad person. That's a, a mind thing. But if it doesn't get in your mind, you'll never make it work in your body and in your soul. So what's happened to humanity is that it's entirely possible that God gave us another, another way to live. I'm not talking about being a good Christian. I'm not talking about being a good Catholic. I'm not talking about going to church every meeting or giving you money or praying every day. I'm talking about something God did when you in a desperate need admitted you needed a Savior. I'm talking about a basic thing that has nothing to do with doctrine, churchanity, or religion, or preachers. When you ask God to come in and help you, He did. He absolutely put another life in you. If you were honest and sincere, He put another life in you. And His intention from then on was, learn that life. Learn it. You can't live it on your own. You can't make it work on your own. It's, it's a life that works of itself. But it can't come out of you and can't work through you without your mind. So this is what happened. Multitudes of people are Christians and saved. And Christ lives in them because that's the only kind of salvation God has, putting Christ in human beings. And you know what? Christ in human beings has no mind unless they give it to him. So the majority of Christians are running around with a mindless Christ. He's in them. He's all powerful. He would live through them. But he must have a mind. Now that mind has got to complement him or he doesn't use it. And you see, that's how we can be saved for years. Say, yeah, I went to church. I got saved. I tried to live it. I did this. I did that. You can have Christ in you for years and nothing ever happened because He doesn't work out of you without a mind. He can't get out of you without a mind. And that's why the Apostle Paul was so forcible in his writings. Three times he used prominent mind scriptures in the Word. Like, let this mind be in you that was in Christ. But you have the mind of Christ. Or, be not taken up with the things of the world, but be renewed in the mind of Christ. Be renewed in your mind. 
He tried to tell us. He told us something that nobody else in the Scripture tells us, that you've got this person in you, but if he doesn't get a mind, it doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter in the outworking of your life. But I'll tell you where it does matter. That person in you will never leave you, never forsake you. And on the resurrection morning, when the rapture of the church takes place, you'll be caught up to meet him. But you will have lived a life on this earth that has immeasurable troubles and trials if he never gets a mind down here. Because that's the only reason God leaves us on this earth when he saves us. Identity. That's such an important thought, identity. So many people never overcome the problems of life because they think the problems of life is what their identity is based on. That's who they are. But that isn't so. You've been rebirthed. You've been born again. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Everything has become new. Old things have passed away. The Scriptures are so clear on that. But if you don't recognize it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not you doing better that's important. It's allowing Christ to be recognized as your life. That's the key to Christianity. That's the hope. So I have a zeal in me to try to bring people to understand the one man God gave this information to. That's so ironical, and that's why so many people don't preach what the Scriptures say, because they can't imagine that only one man in this whole book had that information. But that's the truth. After Christ died on the cross, the only man God ever raised up to tell us these things was Paul. And if you don't read his epistles in the light that here I'm one he's talking about who has Christ in me, and he's telling me how to renew my mind and give that mind to Christ. And so one of the first things you do is in your mind say, I am not the same old person. This is your say. I'm not that person anymore. That's not me. Now, religion is the opposite of what I say because religion has its whole understanding of their message based on the fact I've got to correct that person. I've got to get them straightened out. But I started another point. I started the point that the first thing you do in your mind is to say, I am not the person I once was. I am not that person. And from that moment on, if you continue to do the things, that person, what you've always done, you are not real. You are what I call an actor. Life to you has become a theater. And you're going to act it out. You're going to take parts as they come. Your part. Your downfalls. Your failures. Your inabilities to cope. You're going to take all those things and choose a part in them and act it out. You'll act it out as, as a Christian. Not, not as a real person, but you're acting out the part saying, well, I'm a Christian. I can't help it. I've got all these problems and trials. 
that this is the way I am. No, that's not the way you are at all. And you not understanding that is a crucial block in your relationship with the Father. Because He put another life in you, and when He hears us, me and you, I'm not just saying you without me in it. When He hears us talk to Him as if we had an old life, He just folds His arms and says, Well, I've done all I could. I gave my son. He was killed on the cross. I took his blood and cleansed them from all of their sin. And I gave my seed to them. My sperm was put in them. And they've got another life in them now. They're pregnant. God must say, I think maybe sometimes in his anger, that I'm just not going to sit around and listen to them holler at me. Why don't they do this and I do that and so forth. Are you getting my point? If God put another life in you, if Christ lives in you, and 146 times that's stated in Paul's epistles, 200 times in the New Testament, if Christ is in you, how do you think God's going to deal with you? Do you think God is in His mind going to turn back the pages of time and say, well, they were mistreated when they were five years old, and and nobody cared for them when they reached 12. They were kicked out of this and out of that. And so I'm going to try to help them. Did you ever find Him helping you? Did He ever help? Did He ever do anything? Not much. You know why? He says they still don't know who they are. And I'm not going to resurrect the person that died with Jesus on the cross. Because you see, when He died, we died. Romans 6 says, For as many of us as were placed in Christ were placed into His death. Scripture says that. You were put in His death. He did that because He wasn't going to go the rest of the route in your life fussing over the problems you had and mistakes you had. When Paul said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. That's a hard scripture, isn't it? I find very few Christians have owned up to that scripture. And the reason they can't own up to it is that keep thinking God's going to come back and reverse the old things and make them good. He's not. They're dead. They died on the cross. They're dead. Your old life is dead to God. Now, when you get in trouble with the things that are collective out of your old life, what do you think God does? What do you think He does with them? Well, I could be hard and say he won't pay any attention to it. That isn't so, because he does. Because many of us, in our ignorance and stupidity of not knowing who we were, found grace. There, just when I needed it, God came on the scene and helped me. God did a wonderful thing. But the problem with that is that God doing something to help you out of that present need may have only prolonged your suffering by not knowing who you really are in Christ. But His grace in my life reached down many times and dug me out when I didn't have the slightest idea 
of what he was doing, what my life was all about. I just hurt and wanted to stop hurting. You're going to have to do something with your identity sooner or later. See, when I came in to these truths, I was already preaching and teaching. I taught in different colleges. I did a lot of things. And I tell you, I had an identity built up on the inside of me that, boy, I can make it for the rest of my life. But I had to suffer the loss of all of that. If you have a hard time in your life trying to figure out who is the real you, the actor or who God made you, read the third chapter of Philippians. Get that fresh in your mind. Jot it down somewhere. The third chapter of Philippians is a chapter where Paul says that everything that made me who I was, I suffered the loss of for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ my Lord. We'll stop here for now, but what a great study this is on the gospel of deliverance by Warren Litzman. You know, I've been under Warren's studies for many, many years, since I was 16 years old, and it's only gotten better and better, and he's the one person that always is able to really bring it down to earth and explain these things in a way that we can understand. What a blessing it is that we have these wonderful materials that he left behind. And speaking of that, go to our website, christ-life.org. There you can read all about us, all about this In Christ message, and go to the bookstore, and many of these things that you hear Warren talk about are available for you to put in your own home, either a book, a DVD, a CD. It's, it's just wonderful. So check it out. Again, that's christ-life.org. Robbie Litzman, our thanks to you for always being there and allowing us to go into the archives each week to bring these great messages. Also, we want to thank Valerie Hill, who does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does our weekly podcast notes. And this program is produced weekly by Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.